got a few things, good things, exciting things in the near future we want to tell you guys about at the end of the service. Turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4. We have come to the last sermon of this series of messages from the book of Jonah. And we've had a really good time. Um, I've enjoyed this so much. And it's been good, honestly good for me. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about personal revival. And we had such an overwhelming response. I, I had so many people tell me they were so challenged by the questions, you know, in the beginning of the sermon, you know, you know, do you need revival? And then I asked about eight questions. And uh, man, if you were like me, those questions were penetrating. They were, they were powerful questions that really made you think um, about, about whether or not you are in a place in need of revival. Well, revival came to Nineveh. And it was a great thing. And you would think there would be a celebration. You say, why, why would, what's, what, what do you mean revival came to Nineveh, preacher? What, what, what would there be to celebrate? Well, there were a million people living in Nineveh. A million. And they were all spared God's judgment. Isn't that great? I mean, a million people, that's a lot of people. And, and these, these people were, were doomed to judgment. That was the message Jonah preached. That was the message. God said, go tell Nineveh in 40 days, I will destroy the city. And yet God spared the city. And so you you would think chapter 4 is going to be like the party. I mean, we're going to have a celebration. Bring out the cake. Bring out the song, the dance. This is going to be incredible. A million people doomed for destruction are now saved. Wow, this is incredible. Well, we could only wish. Chapter 4 is one of the most discouraging chapters in Scripture. Now, I do have a take on chapter 4 that I'm going to give you at the end of the sermon that I think will, will really give us a greater insight into Jonah's final decision, okay? But, but based on chapter 4, it, it's, it's, it's pretty negative. You might look at the title today and say, It's an interesting title, Pastor. How to get to the mountain from the valley. Because you would think that we'd already be on the mountain after chapter 3. The truth of the matter is, is the subject of our series, Jonah, for whom the whole series is titled Jonah. It's all about Jonah and Jonah, chapters 1 through 4. Jonah is in a depression. Jonah is, is discouraged. And I wonder how many people here this morning may be like that. I wonder how many of you struggle with discouragement, like sometimes I do. Maybe you even struggle with a little dab of depression from time to time. Maybe despondency. And so, you're, you're, you know, the old-fashioned way of saying it would be, you're just down in the dumps, you know? Sometimes just things happen and you find yourself in a really bad place, just discouraged and down in the dumps. Well, there's a question this morning I have for you, and that is this. Are you responsible for your mental and emotional health? Now, there's some, there's some deception going on about that question. Are you responsible for your mental health? Are you responsible for your emotional health? 
I find that the deception going on today regarding that question is that we're being taught in secular psychiatry is that, you know, you're not responsible. That it's somebody else's fault. And therefore, we have an epidemic. We really do. We have a a major epidemic in our country with prescription drugs and medicine. And what I find oftentimes we are medicating our spiritual problems. Although I do believe I'm treading on very sensitive ground here. And so I'll be very, very cautious and careful to say that there are some, a few, who have chemical issues and imbalances. We heard an incredible message from Brother Robert Bax, who will be with us for our missions conference on the issue of bipolar, didn't we? Wasn't it powerful if you were here? And, and Brother Bax really helped us to understand that, that there are, there are people, although there are few that would, that would need to be even medicated in order to make it through because this is truly an issue that needs medication. It's a chemical issue. And yet those are the few and far between. And yet we find that today it seems to be a large majority of people are turning to a pill, a glass of wine, are some sort of sedative in order to get through their depression. Because we're being told if you're depressed, it's not your fault. If you're discouraged, it's not your fault. If you're despondent, it's not your fault. You're not to blame. It's your parents. It's your past. It's okay. You, you do what you need to do. It's your environment. It's your circumstances. Anything but but me. Anything but me. Now, I spend a lot of time building people up. And that's kind of, can I say it in a funny way? It's kind of a job. <laughs> I've been hired to cheer people up. You see, Scripture says that a good portion of what I'm doing right now is to be what's called exhortation. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Listen, if you don't attend a church that encourages you, get out. I mean, the last thing people need in a discouraging world is a discouraging church. (laughs) And so though we come to church at times and find ourselves under conviction, the Holy Spirit who resides within us is pressing us more towards Jesus. And sometimes when we go towards Jesus, there's some, there's some pain, there's some There's some turning away from sin. There's some repentance involved, and that can make us uncomfortable. Other times, it's maybe just, again, the old-fashioned statement, boy, preacher, I I know I went to church today. I got my my toes stepped on. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but, But I have a philosophy that even though those things take place, that's not... That does not negate the fact that I am here to give you an encouraging message that that God loves you. He's the God of a second chance. And if you've fallen out, he's going to lift you back up. And he's always there. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And his grace is sufficient. Amen. And so though we know maybe there's some things we need to change, aren't we glad we serve a God that loves us anyway? And he's there for us. And he He's working with us. He's patient. He's long-suffering. He's gracious. He's kind. He's relentlessly pursuing us even when we're not pursuing him. So there's a positive message. And I do believe in exhortation. But this morning, 
I, I want you to take some personal responsibility if you're down. If you find yourself depressed, discouraged, down, potentially even with a, with a, a frown on your face, a down-in-the-dumps type of attitude, I want you this morning to investigate as to whether or not you're choosing that. You. You're, you're choosing discouragement. Because our happiness is not determined by our circumstances, but by our reaction to circumstances. Now, this here is a biblical truth, that our happiness in life is not determined by what we go through. Rather, a reaction of what we go through. You are not alone in your problem. You are not alone in what you are going through. Others, are you ready for this encouraging news? Others in this building. I mean, in attendance today. Others here are going through what you're going through. You're not alone in your depression, in your discouragement, in your what you're struggling with. There are others that are struggling with some of the same things. So we're not alone. And Jonah chapter 4 is a negative chapter. But hopefully, we can figure out how Jonah got where he got so we don't have to go there or so we can learn how to get out. In other words, we can reverse the situation. We can see here that Jonah got someplace that was not a good place, but how can we get out of that valley and get to the mountain? Thus the title of the message. So a quick review. Jonah chapter 1, do you remember what happened? Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. Jonah went, Jonah, God said, Jonah, I, I want you to go east. Jonah went west. Went as far away from God as he could possibly go. Basically, God said, Jonah, do this. And Jonah said, no. And made it very difficult. As a result of Jonah making it difficult, Jonah chapter 2 shows up on the scene. And God, because he relentlessly pursues Jonah, he loves Jonah more than you could ever imagine. Just like he loves you more than you could ever imagine. God goes after Jonah. God sends a whale. This whale swallows Jonah up. Jonah spends three days and three nights in the belly of this whale. And we find Jonah's rebellion from chapter 1 is being fixed. It's being corrected. It's being addressed by God and Jonah repents. And the Bible says that the, the whale, the fish, the big fish that God provided to swallow up Jonah, spit him up, literally vomited him out on the seashore. Chapter three, everything changes. Chapter three, Jonah kind of gets things settled and right, or at least it seems that he makes a choice to follow God. Revival comes to Nineveh and everything begins to change. And then we read the last verse of chapter 3. Look at it. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. Do you see it? And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do to them and did it not. Oh my, what a place for an amen. God spared Nineveh. One million people doomed. One million people told the judgment is coming. Your city's going to be destroyed. But God changed his mind. God repented of the evil that he had said he would do to them. 
And it didn't happen. And Hot Springs was spared. And the city was saved. Wow. Well, the first verse of Jonah chapter 4. It all starts here. You ready? First word is a pretty big problem. It's the word but. (laughs) I mean, think about it. God spared Nineveh. He repented of the evil. He didn't do it. But... But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. It all starts with a but. (laughs) But God was faithful to Jonah. But Jonah said it wasn't good enough. But God did everything he promised he would do. But Jonah couldn't be satisfied with that. But God relentlessly pursued Jonah with grace. But Jonah wasn't satisfied with God's grace. And that's always the way despondency and depression begins. It's not enough. It's not enough, God. I know you answered this prayer, but what about this one, God? You haven't answered this one yet. What about it, God? All the good things that God has done. All the miracles that God has done. All the blessings that God has given us. It's not enough, God. It's just not enough. And that's where depression begins. So I want to give you four steps down to the valley. Remember this, that Capace's philosophy for 25 years has been, we may go down to the valley, but we coming up to the mountain. I never ended a sermon without some encouragement, so hang in there with me. But let's figure out how Jonah got here first, because we got to figure that out. And by the way, there's no way you can avoid it, because it's basically the entire chapter, and we're going verse by verse, as we usually do. So Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, let's read it. First of all, let me give you the step. The first step down to the valley is a self-centered look, a self-centered outlook. It's the first step down. It's always about self. Look here, verse 1, and the word of the Lord came, or rather, excuse me, verse 4, verse 1 of chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Jonah, what are you angry about, son? Are you serious? You're angry? God just spared a million people. Yeah, but I hate them. I know God spared those people, but... Jonah's angry because God has shown mercy to people that Jonah hates. And so Jonah's angry. Jonah wanted God to be his father, but he didn't want anybody else to be, to to have God as a father. Jonah wanted the blessings of God, but Jonah didn't want to share the blessings of God with anybody else. He was very self-centered. In fact, in verse number two, we find that Jonah quotes scripture to God. He says in verse 2, he prays to the Lord and says, after he was very angry, he says, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? I pray thee, maybe you have a translation. Often there's a a word that could help me to help preach the message. It's the word please. In other words, please, O Lord. In other words, have you ever said to somebody, oh, please. (laughs) Please. It's not sincere. It's a nice word, but it's used in the wrong way. 
When Jonah says, I pray thee, O Lord, he's not saying, I pray thee, O Lord. He's saying, I pray, God, please, come on, get a grip, God. He says, therefore, I fled before Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, a merciful God. I knew all this stuff about you, God. I knew you would do this. He's quoting Exodus chapter 34. The Lord, the Lord God, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's long-suffering. He's abundant in goodness and truth. God, I've already read your word. I knew you would do this. I knew, God, you were going to send me to Nineveh to be the bad guy. You guys are going to die if you don't repent. i got to scream this all throughout. In all the while, God, you knew you were going to do this. You knew you'd spare the city. But I still had to go and make a fool of myself. All Jonah really cared about was himself. All Jonah was concerned about was the way it made him look. Jonah was using God's word against God. That's a bad plan. That was what Satan tried to do in Genesis chapter number one. And it didn't work out too well for him. And so Jonah here is is being very smart, Alec. And if you want to get in the valley fast, let me tell you how to do it. Get consumed with yourself. Want to get to the valley fast? Have this attitude. It's me against the world. Have this attitude. What, what about me? What about my problems? I, I just, I don't understand why it's all, you know, I, the, the, the world's crashing down on me. I'm telling you this morning, that's the way to go down, down, down. This mindset will destroy your spirit. That's what we see here in Jonah chapter 4. God will not bless this mindset. A self-centered lifestyle is the beginning of a trip down to a very dark valley. When trials come, and they will. If our first thought is ourselves, we are in big danger. When the feelings of others become secondary and how it affects me is all I can think about, I'm on my way to a very dark valley of my own choosing. Now, that's not what's being taught today. It's not your fault. Oh, bless your heart. Have some booze. Get this prescription filled. Pop a few pills. Go to sleep and forget your problem. It's all about you. You didn't do anything to deserve this. It's your wife's fault. It's your husband's fault. It's your parents' fault. It's your job's fault. It's your boss's fault. This morning, I'm asking you to consider to be personally accountable for your discouragement. There's rare instances, but very few that need to medicate. Most of us are medicating our spiritual problems. And God gave us the answer for those. It's amazing, isn't it? It's powerful. And so we study here a self-centered outlook. And a self-centered outlook is at the heart of every broken relationship. I've seen Christians pull away from Christians. I've seen believers who once loved each other begin to hate each other. How is that possible? Is it crazy? Every broken marriage, every estranged child, 
Every employer-employee relationship, every broken friendship started with me. My. I. That's the road to the valley. And Jonah's on it. And it's going to get worse. Number two. The self-centered outlook is number one. Number two is the self-pity attitude. The self-pity attitude. You see, in verse number three, we see things begin to get worse as he says, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beg you, God, take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. Jonah begins to have these suicidal thoughts. He begins to say, I'd rather die than live. Now, this is not the first time we heard this from Jonah. And this won't be the last, even though we're in chapter 4. It's coming again and again and again. Jonah's saying a very sad thing to God, to his creator. Jonah is choosing this. Now, before I go any farther, I want to defend Jonah. Because you see, here's the problem. Sometimes those of us standing on the outside looking into somebody's problem, Doug, you know this from counseling, it's really easy to get judgmental. We're standing on the outside. What a jerk. What a, man, what's his problem? What's wrong with him? Man, Jonah, I tell you what, he's got issues, preacher. No, that, you're missing it. Listen, we all have issues. (laughs) We've all been discouraged. We've all been depressed. I wouldn't doubt if we've all had a suicidal thought or two in our lifetime. I don't know if, man, it's just maybe I'd be better off if I wasn't here. I mean, come on, church. Before we throw Jonah under the bus completely and just really get all over his case and look at him as some freak show, I'm speaking this morning not about how bad Jonah is. I'm speaking this morning about how desperate all of us are for God. And that without him and without a a good outlook and without a mindset that's biblical, we all will get to this situation. Jonah was angry. And I want to give you three reasons for his anger. God, I'd rather die than live. Reason number one, Jonah was angry. he, He was not truly committed to God's will. He wasn't fully consecrated. You say, what do you mean, preacher? He went. He went to Nineveh. Yeah, but he did it with a bad attitude. He was doing what God wanted him to do, but he was doing it with a chip on his shoulder. It's kind of like giving. Okay, I'll give. Stupid. Here goes a hamburger. There you go, God. There you go, church. Okay, preacher, you need a... Y'all need Wi-Fi. Well, I need Wi-Fi too. Give you five bucks. Don't ask me for anything else. To you, I say lovingly, keep your $5. (laughs) Honestly. God doesn't want you to give grudgingly. He only wants money giving, given cheerfully. He wants money giving, given cheerfully, willingly. And and sometimes we we, we do the right thing, but we do it in the wrong way. And Jonah here has an attitude. If I'll do it if I have to. Kind of like 
the teacher who tells the kid in class, sit, sit down. The kid doesn't sit down. And so she raises her voice and she says, sit down. And so she very carefully walks over and gently places her hands on his shoulders and says, son, sit down. And he goes down into his seat and he looks up at her with a scowl and says, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. Is that you this morning? I'm here. I'm here, okay? Preacher, I'm here. I came. I'm really tired of the joke. How many of you heard this joke? When I was a kid, I was drugs. I was on drugs. You know what's coming next? My parents drugged me to church every Sunday morning. I hate that joke. I don't like that joke. But nobody had to drag me to church. I sat on the front row every service and loved every minute of it because it was God's house with God's people. I love to worship God. Man, what in the world? You ain't got to beg me to come to church. Amen. You know what I almost said to the over 60 people at my house last night watching that fight? Oh, yeah, man. 60 people. It's packed out, wasn't it? Man, listen. All 60. Derry was there. You know Derry. I was one of them, right? It, that fight, when it got in that 10th round, we, what were we doing? Oh, oh, I mean, people were, it was crazy. Standing up in front of the, t- I almost stood up and said, I hope y'all do this tomorrow when I get to preaching. <laughs> I didn't do it, but I thought, man, would it be good if the preacher got going and everybody went, oh, yeah. So tell me the truth. Well, preacher, why would I do that? I like boxing more. I like sports more than, than this. Why would I do that? That's stupid. I mean, you want me to be a fake? That's the problem. We're fakes oftentimes. We really are. We, we, we're standing on the outside, but we're sitting down on the inside. So Jonah did the right thing, but he did it grudgingly. Number two. The second reason for Jonah's anger was he forgot God's mercy on him. Jonah, God had mercy. You were a dead man in the belly of a fish. You were swimming in fish guts. You were in gastric juices. That's all I'll do right there for you weak stomachs. This is not good. God had mercy on Jonah. Do you know why we're having the Lord's Supper tonight? To celebrate God's mercy. We're coming back tonight at 5 o'clock to spend 55 minutes to celebrate what God did, to remember, to say, thank you, Jesus. I'm alive because you died for me. You know, you're amazing, God. Thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for the cross, God. That's why we're coming tonight to say thank you for your blessings at Calvary. God has been so good to us. We have so much to be thankful for. Oh, I know about the the valley, and I know about the negative, and I know about the hardships. I know, I know, I get down too. I get depressed too. 
Sometimes I blame God too. I'm there. I've been there. But I refuse to stay there. Because God's been too good to me. For me to look at God and say, I'd rather die than live. How could I say that without just totally disregarding all of God's blessings on my life? He forgot God's mercy. You know, when you take yourself out of your bad moment, you ever had a bad moment, like really bad, like, oh, this is just, this stinks. We had one of those last yesterday. <laughs> Glory Ann yesterday had four major bloody noses. She hadn't had a bloody nose in forever. My wife was up at three o'clock in the morning trying to stop this bloody nose. She must have bled up. We had, it got so bad we had to call Ginger, and Ginger had to walk us through this whole thing. It was, this is intense. You know, Chloe was there. It looks like a murder scene. Like somebody walks, like, like she had a, her first, her second bloody nose was in the TJ Maxx parking lot. And Allison, where are you at, Allison? Are you here? Oh, it was so funny. So Allison, <laughs> this is great. So Carol Ann's walking out of TJ Maxx, blood. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Coming down Chloe, uh, Chloe Ann's arm. It, I mean, it looks terrible. It's coming down her face. It's all over. It's, it's on Carol Ann's clothes. It's just crazy. And Caroline's walking out. And so she gets to the car, you know, and I'm, I'm taking the white piece and I'm wiping the blood off and I'm trying to get more Kleenex to stop this massive blood. And Allison walks up and she goes, preacher! And she comes to hug me. She goes, oh, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's fine, Allison. Allison, it's fine. This is normal. normal. I could, you, you get paranoid. You're thinking she probably thinks, you know, we beat the kid, you know. <laughs> My preacher's up abusing his child. And so you, you get paranoid. You're like, oh, no, no, it's, it's normal. It's normal. It doesn't look normal. That's not normal bloody nose. <laughs> but Glorianne doesn't do anything normal, okay? Last night, she, she started bleeding again at uh, 2 in the morning. And so we had to get up, and Caroline slept on the floor most of the night. I'm, I'm really ready right now for a pity party, and I deserve one. Or do I? So I'm going to step out of that situation. I'm going to step out of it. I'm in it. I mean, I got it. It's there. It's in my life. But I'm going to step out of it. And the reason I'm going to step out of that moment is because when you step out of yourself, you get a clearer look. Wow. Man, look look at that child in a wheelchair. They can't even walk. Look at that child. That, 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 that child is paralyzed. Oh, my. Look at my family, my church. Wow, God. <laughs> that bloody nose ain't no big deal. Bloody nose were made to stop. I'm getting good about it now. I'm feeling, call Ginger. Let's get a solution. We're going to make it. You see, when you step out of your situation, you quit looking at yourself, and things all of a sudden get a lot clearer. Jonah was not stepping out of this situation. He was just determined, no, it's not my fault. It's all about me. It's everybody else's fault, including God's. Number three. He did not know God as well as he thought he knew God. He thought he knew God well, but sometimes we get angry at God. Here's why. Because when we pull the lever, okay, here's the prayer. Okay, God, I want the jackpot every time, God. Boom. And it doesn't happen. And we're like, 
I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I, why would God not want that from me? That's, this is, God is just, he must be sleeping. How could God be God? I know what's best for me. I pull the lever. God doesn't come through. It doesn't get fixed. That's not the God I serve. That's not the God of the scriptures. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God's love is a perfecting love, not a pampering love. We want to be pampered. God's interested in perfecting us. You see, God is more interested in your holiness than he is your happiness. We want to be happy. God wants us to be holy. He didn't know God like he thought he did. And then look look in verse number four. Then said the Lord, oh, this just, this makes me want to cry, honestly. I just can't get over God. He's so gentle, isn't he? I mean, at this time, if I'm God, I'm like, aren't you glad I'm not God? (laughs) I mean, at this time, I am literally, I mean, Jonah is done. I'm like, zap it, Gabriel, right now, cut it up. He's done. Lightning, boom, nice, nice one. Fry that sucker. He's out of, he is out of line. Now, here's God. Here's God. After all that, Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? Wow, so gentle, so loving. God is so amazing. His mercy, his kindness. Doest thou well? Listen to the gentle voice of God. Now, what should Jonah have said right there? Doest thou well to be angry? You know what I think Jonah should have said? No, God. I'm sorry. My attitude stinks. And God, I know you love me. And I know you care for me. You've proven your love to me so many times. But his self-pity attitude chose the opposite. Notice I said chose. He chose to hang on instead of let go. He chose to look down instead of look up. He chose to trust self instead of trust God. He chose to stand still instead of moving on by God's grace. But it doesn't stop with self-pity. Number three, notice a self-absorbed lifestyle. A self-absorbed lifestyle. God says, the Lord says, doest thou well to be angry. And Jonah, verse 5, Jonah went out of the city. Jonah doesn't even answer God. He ignores him. How many of you hate to be ignored? There's nothing worse than being ignored. You ask a question, a nice question. You were like, you know, man, have you ever been here? You thought you said it like perfect and she still walked away. You're like, I don't know what else to do, you know. And I'm having fun. This is not a marriage sermon, but. Do us that well to be angry? And here's Jonah. He just walks away. I mean, it's what the scripture says. He walks away and he sits on the east side of the city. And he makes himself a booth. He sits under it in the shadow Now, this next statement, look at it closely. Till he might see 
what would become of the city. Are you serious? Listen, think about it. He storms away from God, sits down, and says, God, I hope you get a grip. I hope you figure this thing out, God. You've been wrong all the time. You spared the city. I'm just going to sit here till you finally get it right, destroy it, and take care of me. God had already spared the city. But now Jonah is, is arguing with God. He is relentlessly running from God. It sounds like he was hoping that God would get his act together and open his eyes and see what he really needed to do. I want you to notice three mistakes that Jonah made here in that verse. Number one, he quit. He quit. He flat out quit. He walked away and sat down and just quit. Truth of the matter is, I see that happen all the time. I really do. I hate to say it. I see a lot of people quit. I see Christians quit. I see marriages quit. I see pastors quit. I mean, I meet guys. Hey, how's the church going? Oh, I'm selling cars now, man. I ain't putting up with them people anymore. Man, I deserve more than that. Plus, I'm getting paid now. I see church members quit. Just quit. Just walk away. Number two, second mistake Jonah made made here was he got alone. He sat by himself. That is the worst thing you can do. A self-absorbed person does not need to be alone. Where the only voice they're listening to is their own. Everybody needs Somebody, everybody, everybody needs someone to speak into their life. Isolation is never good for a Christian, never good. That's why we believe in in community here at Gospel Light. This is not community. This is like the big gathering where we can still hide. Come in, hey, how's it going, hey, you know, what's up, you know? No, community is small group. Community is discipleship. Community is when you break this down from hundreds down to fives and tens. And where you get to open up a little bit and share your heart and weep with a friend and, 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 and stay after when everybody else leaves and say, have you got 10 minutes? I just, man, I'm just dying inside. I got to talk to somebody. I would never do that. They might think I'm, perf- I'm not perfect. We already know that, dude. The Bible tells us like you're a sinner. We know everybody's a sinner. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Why don't we just get clean and admit we're sinners? Why are we trying to hide from the truth? We need each other. That's why it's so important to have a a place to belong in a smaller group. We don't want you to stay alone. We want you to have a friend. We want you to have somebody that is there with you and for you when you get to this place. Because you will. And I will. Number three, he became a spectator. He became a spectator. Look at verse number five. Again, it says that he sat under it in the shadow till they might see what would become of the city. I'm just going to sit here and watch. See what happens. He, he became someone, get this, let's put it like this, who sits on the sidelines. He's out now. He's not in the game anymore. He's, 
He, he, he's just sitting alone. And people who sit on the sidelines usually say three things in this order. Number one, the first thing they say is this. You're not going to be able to do this without me. Watch. I'll show you. You'll see. It's going to fall apart. The whole church. Watch. And then it doesn't fall apart. It doesn't. And so the second thing they say is this. It's not as good as it used to be when I was there. But it's better. It's like great. It's like they're doing fine. And the third thing to do is just flat out get bitter and angry and gossip and criticize. And it gets really ugly after that. People get bitter on the sidelines. They'll criticize. They'll cut people down. They'll, they'll say awful things. They aren't even true. So what is God going to do? I wonder what God's going to do. I know what I would do. I already told you what I would do. I wonder what God's going to do. Exactly what he's done for three chapters. He's going to relentlessly pursue Job. Jonah, he's going after him. He's not giving up. It's a miracle. Look at this in verse 6. Phenomenal. And the Lord God prepared. What's the last time we heard those words? He prepared a fish. This time he prepares a plant. And he prepares this plant and he makes it to come over Jonah that it might shadow, be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. The plant didn't bring Jonah, though, to a place of repentance. Jonah instead says, he makes this statement. So Jonah was exceeding glad. He he didn't make a statement. He just, it was obvious. Oh, finally, it's back to being about me again. Thank you, God, for finally getting a grip on yourself and providing again for me. But what does the Bible say? It says in Romans chapter 2, the goodness of God leads us to what? Repentance. But no repentance. He's not sorry. The goodness of God is just leading him to become more self-absorbed. It's all about me. God finally gets it. Gives me what I need. Thank you, God. You finally got woke up and gave me. I'm not really sorry. I still hate those people. I'm still miserable. The plant did not accomplish that for which God intended it to accomplish And so look what happens. Verse 7, God prepares a worm. God prepares a fish. God prepares a plant. And now God prepares a what? A worm. And this was like the most amazing worm you've ever seen in your life. This is incredible. You ready for this worm? Look. So God takes this worm. And when the morning comes, the worm attacks the plant and eats it. This is a turbo worm. This is like, don't ask stupid questions like, how big was the worm after it ate the plant? I don't know, okay? I just know the worm attacked the plant. So God goes from giving him a good thing. Since that didn't work, the goodness of God should lead us to repentance. So now God tries chastening. Okay, now we'll take the good thing away. You didn't get it with the good thing? We'll try a little spanking. I'm sending the turbo worm to eat your plant. And look what Jonah does. Verse 8. So it comes to pass when the sun did arise, because the the plant's gone now, 
that God prepared again a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die. Here we go again. And he says, it's better for me to die than to live. And God's doing all this. God loves Jonah. God's preparing all of this. God's doing it. God loves him so much that he's, he's walking Jonah through this process to get Jonah to repent. But Jonah will not repent. Instead, Jonah gets desperate enough to say, I want to die. And there may be somebody here this morning in this building. You're there. You're sitting here right now. And those thoughts have gone through your head. I don't know, man. I just... And just last week, I looked at a pill bottle and thought, man, maybe I should. I stared down the, the gun and just thought, maybe I should end it all. I don't know, man. I'm, I was driving down the road. I just kept going faster and faster. And I was, the anxiety was building. I just didn't want to live. Maybe you've been there. Listen, it's okay. Jonah was there too. You're not alone. I've been there. We've all been there. We've been desperate before and wondering thoughts that we shouldn't be thinking. God in his love and mercy all the while is trying to get our attention to wake us up to say, listen, I love you. I'm pursuing you. I'm here. Wow. The final step down is a self-deceived heart. A self-deceived heart. Look at verse 9. And God says to Jonah, Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? Do, I mean, Jonah, are you any better by getting angry at, at the plant? And, and Jonah's answer was, I do well to be angry even unto death. Jonah basically said this, I have every right to feel this way, God. I have every right to feel this way. This to me is the saddest verse in the whole book of Jonah. This is as bad as it gets. And then the Lord responds in verse 10 by saying, then says the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd for for the which thou hast not labored, neither made it grow. Which it came up at night, it perished in the night. And Jonah, should I not spare Nineveh, the great city where there's more than 120,000 children? In other words, God is saying this, Jonah, listen to yourself. This doesn't make any sense. Listen, Jonah, I just spared a million people from death and all you care about is yourself. It's all you care about is you. Jonah, you want me to cast a million people into hell as long as I don't cast you? Is that really it, Jonah? Is it really all about you? Because truly, church, all of our problems come back to that word, self, 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 self. I want to give you in closing a way to get out of the valley. You ready? This is it. This is how to get out. We're here. We're, you ready for the positive? Man, this is, this is, and by the way, let me give you my little, you ready for my little bonus thought? This is free. This is free. Bonus thought. It ends. That, it ends. It's over. You say, wow, that's a weird ending. I know, it's weird, isn't it? I thought the same thing. I read that and I thought, that's all? Like, drum roll, boop, boom, <laughs> gone. God says that one last thing, and it's like, and so I'm thinking, what happened? And then I thought, you ready for this? I don't know if I'm right, but I might be right. Who wrote the book of Jonah? Jonah. 
Are you there yet? Jonah wrote the book of Jonah, which means Jonah wrote that story. Jonah told us all about his problems. He gave us the truth. He laid it out in four chapters. Honestly, I'm convinced that because Jonah actually wrote the book of Jonah, that it tells us Jonah eventually got right with God and said, I want to share my story. I'm willing for the whole world to know it. Here it is. I'll write it with my own hands because I want people to get some help. And I'm convinced Jonah in the end. In other words, what I'm saying is I can't wait to meet him. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to hug him and say, Jonah, thank you for being honest and so transparent. I mean, you threw, this is like really intense stuff. And you helped gospelite. You helped our people because of your honesty. So that's the road I'm going to take. I'm believing Jonah got it all settled. So let me give you some ways to get out of the valley. Number one, acknowledge you have chosen where you are. In other words, apart from the few people who have a chemical reason to be where they are, and there are those people, but apart from those few, admit you've chosen it. You've, you've, you've made the decision. You're negative. You're down to the dumps. You're, you're, you're always looking at the glass half empty. You tend to be real critical. You tend to walk into the service maybe, and the first thing you do is talk about what you don't like as opposed to the 73 things you do like, but that's not important because it's just it's not perfect and it's all about me. I mean, I liked the last song, Preacher, but I didn't like the first one. So fix the first one. But what about if somebody else liked the first one? I don't care what anybody else likes. I only care what I like, Preacher. And by the way, that goes for you young people too. Why did we have to sing a hymn this morning? Because some people like hymns. Sorry. We're going to sing them sometimes. Amen? And some people like the really new ones. And, and I like both. So aren't you glad you got a pastor that likes both? So my point is this. It's not all about you. And it's not all about you. And it's not all about you. You know, you know my answer to that? Here's what it's about. It's about you. I mean, from me to you, it's about you. In other words, you know what my thought is when I come this morning? I want to bless you. I want you to, to know that, man, God loves you and your pastor loves you and we're going to make it and we're going to do this thing together. Number two, repent and turn to God. Why do my sermons always have to have that word? Eric, can you preach one sermon without the word repent? Here's why I can't. I'm sorry. Here's why. I'm going to admit it. Okay, when I got saved, I repented of my sin. Amen? And here's the problem. I found out <laughs> that I was a lot worse than I thought I was. <laughs> I'm serious. So I repented when I got saved. I, and I think a lot of it was I was obviously didn't want to go to hell. I was afraid of hell. So I... And I knew I was a sinner, and so I prayed, and I, and I got saved. It was really cool. And, and, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm 30, like 37 years in, and, I, and I'm like still repenting. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. Get a grip, preacher. I mean, come on. You should be perfect by now. I should? <laughs> That's really discouraging. <laughs> I, am, I am falling into a depression right now. <laughs> Because if I should be perfect, I am not doing very good. I, I need to repent nearly every day. Amen. My, my point is, is that I, I, I say it every sermon because it, it's like 
true every sermon. It's like what we need to do. Repent and turn to God. Number three, renew your mind. Change your mind. Renew it. That's what scripture teaches. You've got to change your mindset. It takes time. It takes prayer. If you're critical, if you're negative, work to change that. Work at it. Get into God's word. Fill your mind with good things. Number three, four, request accountability. Go to someone and say, help me with my stinking thinking. Help me. Call me out. You got permission. When I start going south and getting critical, when I say it, sweetheart, call me out. Friend, call me out. Buddy, get on me. Tell Because I don't want to be this way. I really don't. I need help, though. When I start, the woe is me. Remind me about how good God is. Remind me, sing, sing a worship song about heaven. Because I'm not in my right mindset. There's no way I, I should be depressed and defeated when God's been good. So when I get there, and I will get there, and I will get there. I was there last night. I was there yesterday. You can ask my wife. I was on edge a little bit. I mean, just, you know. I mean, when you're in the parking lot and your daughter looks like she's been shot by a, the head. I mean, you kind of wonder, God, what are you doing? This ain't right. So I've been there like 12 hours ago. So I have every right to preach this sermon. Okay, because I'm, I'm there. But I didn't stay there. Amen? I survived it. And I was even able to kind of say some positive things last night. It's okay. We're going to make it. It's all good. You know? It's all good in the hood. You know? And then number five, reach out to others. Serve people. Minister to people. Care for others. Get off the me program and get on the others program. Yesterday, Sonia and I, as we do every Saturday, we go to a nursing home together. Cindy Kaufman goes with us. And we had a few others yesterday. It was fun. So we go to this. It's actually a retirement center, right? Send a, a retirement center. I need to remember. You got to get on me when I say that. It's a retirement center. And we go there and here's the deal. Honestly, it's the truth. When I go there, we sing. Like yesterday we did this. We sang this song. It was on a Monday. Somebody touched me. It was on. Sonia's got her guitar. We're singing. You know. So Sonia goes, all right. If you were saved on this day. I don't know why she said it this way, but she goes, stand up and do a jig. I don't even know what a jig is. I don't know what that is. I, when she said it, I'm like, well, then I looked at the crowd. They were all like 80. And I'm thinking, she just told a group of 80-year-olds to do a jig. So she gets to Saturday. It was on a Saturday. Somebody. Th- and this, remember this? This old lady. Nan, is that her name? What's her name? Gert. 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 Can you imagine? That must be Gertrude. Anyway, don't name your kid Gertrude or I'm after you. Okay, don't do that. Okay. She says, so Gert stands up, 90 years old, in like a walker, almost crippled, arthritis. It was, she was saved on a Saturday. She stands up. She goes, I said, that's a gig. That's what it is, a jig or whatever it is. That's it. Gert is dancing. That must have been what the Bible meant when it said we can dance. That's a beautiful dance. What am I saying? 
I'm saying I left the retirement center at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. Who wants to go? Who, who in their right mind on a Saturday wants to go to a retirement center for 45 minutes with a bunch of old people? Me! Me! Because I have found when you give up a portion of yourself and give it to somebody else, you forget about your problems. You forget about what you're negative about and you walk out and say, Praise God, I'm going to do a jig. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're done with Jonah. We're going to thank God for Jonah. His message is